Belina o kou, wahi a kahiko, he kumule hua mui mui ia i ka manu. He aha hoi ka lavena pololei ke hua ka i kākoe ki lohi ae i nā manu Hawaii. Oia ke kumuhana o ke ia The olalo no iau that Leija shared brings forth the beautiful image of an ohia tree covered with birds attracted by numerous lehua blossoms whose nectar they sip. Such a sight is inspiring and it's the sign of a healthy forest environment. If we conduct ourselves in respectful and pono ways, perhaps this is a sight that we can behold. Belina mai. Welcome to Kaleo Kauluau. Our current season of Kaleo Kauluau highlights our deep connections with our avian cousins, the native birds of Hawaii. All season long, members of a group called Ahui Manu will be joining us to share about this connection between Kanaka and Manu. Ahui Manu is a group of people dedicated to our collective recollection and reaffirmation of our ancient and contemporary bonds with the Manu people, with the native birds of Hawaii. With each episode, our Meakipa will lift up the names, the characteristics, and the places associated with particular native bird species, including their appearance in an oli that's composed to celebrate each one and their relationships with life forms Mauka and Makai. Today we have Lisa Kapono Mason joining us again, this time to share about ethical birding and a bit about the palila. Lisa is from Hilo, Hawaii and is currently a master's student in the University of Hawaii at Hilo Tropical Conservation, Biology, and Environmental Science program. Her thesis work involves characterizing the vocalizations of palila, a critically endangered Hawaiian finch, and investigating how palila population decline over the last 60 years has affected the vocal culture of these rare birds. Lisa's clearly involved in very important work. Let's head over to her now. Aloha Lisa. Mahalo nui for joining us again here at Kaleo Kauluau. We're happy to hear what you're going to share with us today. Aloha Lisa. We're really happy to see you. Um, thanks for coming back um, to share on our podcast. And um, it sounds like Today, you might be sharing a little bit about ethical birding and, you know, our, you know, what, how are we going to manage our pilina with our manu friends, our bird friends, and how we'll move forward from this point. So we're really looking forward to hearing from you. Mahalo nui. Oh, mahalo, Drew. Mahalo, Leigh. It's a pleasure to be back and to talk to you about our manu friends and all the great stuff and opportunities we have on this island to rebuild that pilina with them and to interact in the places that, that we share with them. Mahalo. For our inexperienced or for those who might be listening and might want to see our bird friends, what, what would you suggest or what do you, what is, what exactly is ethical birding? So ethical birding is something that is talked about in the birding world at large. And it's basically the set of principles that um, birders uh, practice to make sure that they are being respectful in the place and, and to others in, in the place that they are visiting. It's a, a, a set of guidelines that are, are a code that birders use to um, make sure that their actions are going to be um, good uh, and that they're going to um, not do harm while they're out there enjoying um the birds and um, the forests that they journey to or other places like shorelines, coastlines, or even out on the ocean to go and see our bird friends. So kind of like the lavena or the the approach you bring to these spaces with our bird friends and, and trying to minimize your 
negative impact maybe? Yeah, absolutely. And it can vary from person to person, you know, so it it could be kind of a generalized code that people in a place kind of share, Um, maybe uh, practices that get passed down, you know, over the years or within families. Um, It could be um, also open for revision as Mm -hmm. places change, right? Mm -hmm. We have to kind of take a critical look at at our behaviors and attitudes that we bring to places and and maybe shift as as places require us to. Mm-hmm. What might be some of those ways that people would, like some examples of the ways that people would demonstrate respect as they go out into the landscape? Yeah, that's a good question, Drew. Um, I think when we are planning to go out um, to to visit our bird friends, like wherever we're going, um, we we want to start to prepare ourselves even before we either jump in the car and get on the road or wherever we're going. We want to kind of start that process before we get there, right? Um, there's some very practical things that we can do. I think there's some mental things we can do, um, spiritual things we can do to kind of prepare ourselves to to go out and visit them in their home, right? Um, so. I guess from a a physical standpoint, we can make sure that um, what we're bringing into that space isn't going to do harm. So from a a disease standpoint or from um, a pathogen standpoint, we want to make sure that we're not bringing any um, invasive species with us. We're we're carrying clean gear. We've... um, cleaned our our boots, our our clothes, our backpacks, uh, all those things, right? And so we're not bringing in junk, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Another thing we can do um, is to kind of know where we're going, to spend time thinking about like place names, like where, what what boundaries are we traversing, right? To go from one place to another. What are th- what are the the water sources in that place? Like what what's the name of that forest we're going to? Both in a and depending on how much time you have to really dive deep into that information, you know, we, you can go all the way back to Moolelo if you like, looking at old maps. If you're planning on returning to places over and over again, I think it's a really wonderful journey to go and, and dive into the archives and listen to stories um, about those places and to to learn those place names and the names of the rains, the names of the winds. Um, and then also knowing um, what the protocols are when you get there to um, set yourself up so that you will not be um, kind of in the way of of practices that are that are going on. So mm-hmm. if that makes sense. <laughs> you know, spiritual preparation could be in, in understanding that, you know, our our bird friends, uh, these Manu are some of our most ancient ancestors, right? Like there there are we really have these strong um lineal ties to them from a spiritual standpoint, from a cultural standpoint, from a evolutionary standpoint, right? They are representative of, of a time that came way, way before us, right? And what, what our islands were like a long time ago. And just to be in their presence is very humbling. It's, it's so wonderful to see, um, a tree full of apapane, right? Mm-hmm. Drinking from the lehua, um, to see EEV dancing, right? In, in the, um, in the flowers to see, um, a pueo, 
right? Flying and soaring so quietly through through the, the area. It's just, it's really cool to, to see their specific behaviors and to just be humbled by all the things that shaped them to be so perfectly suited to, to those places, to those forests or those landscapes. Like, I love it. <laughs> Which is why you're going there to see them. Absolutely. Right. So, you know, kind of being in that in that frame of mind can really build an excitement and energy to prepare you to go um, into those places and to really get the most out of it, I think. It seems like, I mean, just what you shared just elicited in me this idea that, you know, they're because they are because these native birds have been around for so long um, that they are they have the opportunity to have passed along an understanding and knowledge of these different places and environments in the Hawaiian Islands um, that is like, as you said, I mean, predates us people. Right. I mean, they've been around for so long that they they have this knowledge that I wish that we might. Well, I don't know. Do I wish that? <laughs> um, <laughs> um, they have this knowledge that is just so deep that they, I imagine, is conveyed and transmitted from, you know, one one generation to the next. Um, and it would be amazing to tap into that, that ancestral knowledge that birds have. And I mean, that's just a reason, in, in my humble opinion, to really honor them for for having that ability to understand the forests and the landscapes where they live, the coastlines, <clears throat> the open spaces, um, in in such a in such an um, intimate way, in such an ancestral way, that maybe some of us struggle to understand today. Yeah, if that makes sense. That reminds me of a distinction that I like to make between bird watching and birding. I guess a lot of people um, think about birding as this activity where, you know, we're going out to a place to go see birds, right? And I like to call that maybe just merely the the hobby or the action activity of bird watching, where you're going out, you're going to see some birds. Okay, I saw this thing. It's called this. And then I move on. Uh, birding to me is a little bit different in that you're really focusing on uh so the the idea is that when you're when you're spending time with with them, that time is going to allow you to see things that you would probably miss if you were just casually going out and just saying, okay, I saw I saw this bird friend, I saw that bird friend, whatever. So it's it's really cool to me when we're looking at behavior to try to understand all the levels of intelligence that these these birds have respective to their forest or their their places and that takes time um, and consistently going out over and over again and spending time with them building that relationship right and that mutual understanding because they know you're there they know they're not like completely oblivious to your presence right um, which kind of gets to what are some of the practices that you want to bring to a space to make sure that you're you're doing right in that place and you're not being disruptive or dishonoring right to the natural processes that exist there. So the birds are totally sensitive to your presence. Um, so you know, in some ways, we can never really truly think of ourselves as just being an observer, 
right? We are interacting with them on some level. And that that connection, that exchange of energy, I think is really interesting to, to acknowledge and to kind of tap into as well. And like how individuals do that is going to, you know, vary. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, that makes sense. You mentioned um, the physical preparation, the, the mm-hmm. spiritual. Um, it was like another um, like mental preparation. Be, yeah. yeah. So your physical preparation, your mental preparation and your, you know, spiritual connections to to what you're doing and and going out to do birding here in Hawaii. Off the top of your head, what might be some things to abstain from or try to avoid? Hmm. Or maybe examples of things that you see while you're birding other people do that maybe you wouldn't do. <laughs> that's a that's a, a good point, Leigh, because you know, we can't we can't control necessarily how other people um behave when they're out there in the wild. (laughs) Um, But I think there are some basic principles I think all people should be aware of and try to practice. And um, some of some of those things include um, like decontaminating our our field gear and making sure that we are fresh and clean to go out into the forest. Uh, Another thing would be to to be aware of all the different levels of space that exist. So you have not just the physical space, but the acoustic space around us. And so we are coming into that soundscape. And so like the way that we interact, how we walk through the forest, how we talk through the forest, how we talk to each other, if we're with a a buddy or with our ohana, um, all of that is changing that space, right? And and we want to be very mindful that we're not disrupting things beyond necessary. And so it's like some people will get really, really intense about, you know, there's absolutely no talking and they'll like walk on their toes and they'll be super silent. Now, I don't think we have to go to that extreme degree all the time, but just being mindful about our noise levels, about how we're, how we're talking to each other as we're walking through the, through a forest particularly, because that's where I spend most of my time. So my reference is usually the forest, um, you know, because there are going to be others most likely sharing that space with us, our um, humans. So, you know, if, if they're in the presence of any EV and they're watching that EV um, maybe interact with, with their flowers or in a tree and we um, we don't want to be disruptive of of that connection that they're having, right? And so that could be happening just up the trail from us. We don't know. So being being mindful that there could be others there, and we don't want to disrupt their observations, or or perhaps there are nesting birds in the area. It's it could be very easy to cause um, a nesting bird to be startled, to get stressed. Um, to start to alarm call or to feel threatened um, if we get too close to them or if we um, somehow um, disrupt something in their territory. So it's it's easy to, um, we want to be aware, right, of how that can change the space. Do you think that there are some birds who... Um are kind of curious about our human presence in their, in their spaces or are even like, you know, interested or appreciative of our presence? So I, I think that the birds are definitely curious about us um, when we're visiting their homes and 
uh, I think it's okay to allow for that interaction to some degree to happen, especially if, if the bird is coming in to your immediate space. I would say um, maybe quiet yourself, stop, um, move slowly, and just kind of watch and allow for that moment to happen. Because I think those sometimes become the most memorable experiences, right? There is a apapane that was that was flittering just above my head or it flew right right in front of me and I can hear its wing beat so clearly, you know, and I've never heard that sound before. I didn't even know that you could hear birds like that in the forest. So um, that I think can be very special to allow for that to happen and just be be respectful. I, for me, it's a very humbling thing when birds get close to me and I'm not pursuing it. It's actually coming in to my space um, or that space that I'm in. And yeah, it can be very, very beautiful. So birding is a, a hobby, an activity that people all over the world practice. Um, there are people who are lifelong birders and they keep what's called a life list and they will travel um, from place to place all over the globe looking for different kinds of birds, looking for rare birds. Um, they'll follow birding uh, uh, blogs and and uh, communities, communities <laughs> to... Yeah, to get information about um, rare migrants visiting places, and they'll make every effort to go to those places just to see the bird. I think here in Hawaii, we think about birding a little bit differently, at least I do, where I'm not trying to make it a goal to see all the birds or to see as many birds as I can. I think about every interaction that I have with our Manu friends as special and an opportunity. And I don't feel entitled to that experience. Um, I think one of the things that I would love to share with others in terms of preparing to go out to go birding and, and to see birds is that, you know, if you see them, you see them. If you don't, you don't. And it is really up to them whether they want to have that interaction with you or, or to be in that space. And we really have to be discerning about how much effort we're going to put into trying to pursue that experience because it just not it might not be the right time for us to have that moment with them. And I think kind of being a little bit more um, present and mindful and just humbling ourselves in, in those places will allow us to maybe see things that we weren't expecting. So maybe we're not there to go and see Manu. Maybe we're there to see Koa, but we just didn't know it at that beforehand. Right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, we, we want to be open to kind of whatever is there for us, you know, in that, in that space. And that's part of that preparation, right. Kind of accepting what, what those places have to offer in whatever form they choose to present themselves. And having that um, perspective of gratitude and just being thankful for those interactions that we do get to experience. And the idea that the environment is going to dictate what happens, right? Mm -hmm. we, we're not, we don't need to be in control of, of, you know, what occurs when we go into a particular place. Mm -hmm. I mean, to, and to the extent that, um, 
yeah, the environment will reveal itself as it, as it needs to do. Mm-hmm. And it's not all about us yeah. humans. And that's kind of part of where I would assume birding comes in because every time that you go out, you'll have different experiences and that will further build your relationship. And you'll see the behaviors or hear the calls and realize that, oh, that's different than the last time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that I mean, and, and what you shared before, Lisa, about, you know, frequent visitation to maybe the same places or, um, yeah, getting to know a place, becoming familiar with it by repeated visits. Um, it seems like a really important thing too. And yeah, you probably have different observations of the birds each time. That seems really important. Yeah. I think here, um, like growing up in Hawaii, uh, you know, we learn that, you know, there are like certain protocols that we do. Like we come to a place and, you know, we will, we'll only, or we'll ask permission to, to enter into, into a place. And I, I love that idea But I also think that it goes beyond just asking permission. It really is also a process of attunement. And we are just tuning our senses. We're tapping into those energies of that place. And we're really listening to to that place because I don't know if you guys ever had that feeling when you go somewhere and you're like, hmm. This is mm-hmm. this is not the right time for me to be here. Or you just have this little check inside of you, like in your na'au, where you're like, mm-mm, like this is not today. Not today, you know? And I feel like we have to listen to that, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and it's not always going to be a yes, okay, you know, come in. <laughs> um, so taking a moment to... Um, kind of attune and and listen to all of the the elements and right? recognize when maybe it's not time to be there and, and it's like oh Kate come back again some other day yeah yeah so if anybody wants to take up birding as a hobby here in Hawaii I totally encourage anyone and everyone to get out there and go um, be open to finding our bird friends and and watching them and learning from them. It's just so fun. And anybody can do it. It gets lot, you outdoors. It gets you outdoors. I think it's it can be a very healthy activity to do um, with your ohana. And you just get to explore more of our island and um, just build relationships with places through through our Manu friends. And they become our guides and they show us what's super cool <laughs> and what to focus <laughs> on. Um, but it's it could be as simple as, you know, getting a, a small pair of binoculars or just using your cell phone and some cool apps that are um, really fun to get to know our different kinds of bird friends, whether they're native or, or non-native birds too. You can just walk right outside your door and you can see who's there, <laughs> who's just living around in your in your neighborhood. That's a great place to start. Um, and yeah, I think everybody should try it. One thing to keep in mind maybe is safety, being aware of your surroundings and not trying to go too far in places to chase a a manu and just being careful in the environment, especially if it's maybe wet, slippery, or there's precipices you don't want to go over. (laughs) Yep. Yeah. Be aware of your surroundings. Um, Make sure that you're off of any roadways. Um, Yeah. Being aware is is one of the big big skills. (laughs) A lot of time people will bird 
um, not by just seeing the birds, but also by listening. And so that's a great way to get to know our bird friends by their vocalizations, by their songs and their calls. And there are apps that you can download on your phone to learn their specific calls so that you can identify them not just by sight, but by ear too. And that's a really great skill to develop, especially if you want to go on and and become um, more uh connected within the larger birding community and maybe you can go and volunteer on a survey or two and that will be one skill that will really come in handy. So there are a couple of great birding apps that you can get on your phone and one of them is Merlin Bird ID. So you can explore birds, uh, download the Hawaii pack and you can um, learn about some basic physical characteristics of the birds and then also listen to sound clips of their vocalizations so you can um, hear what they sound like and identify in that way too. Uh, eBird is another popular birding app that is uh, free. You just have to create an account and you can keep track of all the birds that you see. Um, and you can also see what other birders have recorded in areas that they've visited. And so you'll know kind of who lives where and get a feel for what to expect if you visit certain um, birding hotspots on the island. Okay, mahalo for that. One question that I have in mind is um, I feel like through this this season, we've, we've learned how native birds, manu, you know, we have such a, an important relationship with them, which we have to continue to forge and maybe make even stronger over time as soon as we can. But um, I think a lot of us feel that birds, can, these native birds can serve as our teachers. We can, there's a lot that we can learn from them. Mm -hmm. um, would you be able to share a few thoughts about you know, what it is that we could learn from native birds by observing them, by spending time with them in these, in these respectful ways that you've just described today for us? Sure. I've learned a lot of lessons from our Manu friends um, over the years, and I've been so privileged to be able to go up to Mauna Kea and to spend time with Palila up on the um, western forest over there in Koohe. And, um, you know, in, in watching Palila, I've, I've really developed this um, appreciation for being mindful and being very focused um, on tasks in the moment. Mm. And Palila have this wonderful ability to kind of tune out a lot of things <laughs> and to just do what they're doing with such mindfulness and they don't get distracted from that task. So when they're eating, they will pick a pod and they will spend so much time working that pod open, eating that food, um, playing with that food and working that tree. And they really can be a little bit oblivious to some of the things that are going on around them. Maybe some of the other birds that are chirping around in, in the tree, they're just so focused on that task. And, and so it's actually made me very um, aware of how distracted I can get <laughs> in my day-to-day -day life from, from one task to another. But that practice of mindfulness, like I've seen it in Palila. It's been a reminder to me, even mm -hmm. when I'm in the field, to just be patient, to be in the moment, 
to um, just savor get the thing done things. and to savor things. One other thing I love about Palila is that they are kind of late risers. So <laughs> you don't have to That's go. That's my peeps. <laughs> <laughs> I know. You don't have to go so, so early in the morning to go and see Palila. They're late risers. They like to um, kind of wake up a little bit after all of the, the morning dawn chorus action has happened. <laughs> and then they kind of start their day as the sun comes up and as, as the their area warms up. And I just love that so much. I connect <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> with, with that vibe a lot. Um, so, you know, taking what you need. If you need to sleep, you sleep. Mm. <laughs> you know, if, if if the conditions aren't just right, if you're not comfortable, then just let things kind of, you know, work themselves out. And then when you're ready, when they're ready, they go and mm. they start their day. And I just really love that about Palila. Mm. That's wonderful. <laughs> And that's just an illustration of your pilina with them. And your that shows that what you've learned over time watching them, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. And those are some of the lessons that you can learn as, a, as an observer. And each species is going to, you know, bring something, you know, a different set of behaviors and characteristics, I think, to the observers. And yeah, so I mean, what you just shared, I think, should remind all of us that we should be as attentive as we can, you know, learn from these these native Manu friends and... You know, I think they have important lessons to share with us, including <laughs> the idea about the, you know, our option to sleep in a little bit too. Yeah, <laughs> I totally. can get with that. <laughs> yeah, mahalo nui for everything that you just shared. So one of the things that I like to keep at the front of my mind is that like every interaction that I have with Armanu is a, is a blessing. And I shouldn't take that interaction for granted right? I, I'm not entitled to have that experience. Um, doesn't matter how much energy I put into trying to find those birds or, you know, trying to make sure that I see, you know, a certain, a certain bird in a certain time. That doesn't matter. It's all about, um, their willingness to share that place with me and to share space with me. And I am so grateful for that. Like you were saying, it really comes back to that sense of gratitude and holding on to that throughout the whole experience. And and um, with that, I think it's important that we recognize the struggles that our um, native Manu are experiencing right now in the forest. And one of the big threats is avian disease, right? And we want to make sure that our communities at large are aware of this, the issue of avian disease, how avian disease is spread. Um, right now, the mosquitoes on our island are public enemy number one um, concerning our native forest manu. So, you know, kind of looking for information related to mosquito control in Hawaii would be, I think, a really great um, thing to do. If you're interested in figuring out how do I help our um, Manu friends, um, you know, stay plugged into um, sources of information regarding mosquito control. That's a big topic right now to um, kind of be in the know of. And then also, um, Make sure that you are bring your positive thoughts to the forest, positive energies, positive intentions. I think that's a perfect note 
to wrap up our session here. <laughs> yeah, no, that's a wonderful um, kind of way to, for us to close our, our time today together. Lisa, mahalo. Mahalo for reminding us of the ways in which we can properly interact with our Manu friends, how we prepare ourselves, how we be um, in, in those different spaces where they live. And um, yeah, we really appreciate what you've shared today and in previous episodes. So mahalo nui for sharing your mana'o and your, your knowledge with us and your experiences too. We appreciate it very much. <laughs> mahalo nui. I, I especially appreciate your differentiation between birding and watching. So do know that there are different levels that people can um, spend time with our manu friends and do it in a pono manner. Mahalo nui. Oh, mahalo nui. This was so much fun. Mahalo nui to our meakipa, Lisa Kopona Mason, on her return visit to our podcast. It was instructive to have her differentiate for us birding versus birdwatching, and to give a clear sense about how we ought to approach our manu friends who are living their lives in the wild, and how being around them can enrich our own lives. Yes, we should be mindful of the ways we engage our environment, especially when looking for our manu friends. That's it for now. Please be sure to check out our blog at hilo.hawaii.edu slash uluau and follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Ahui ho. Aloha. Aloha.